How many of you have heard the difference between count my vote and keep my voice? It's a debate we hear every year, and one side takes one position, and another side takes another position. One side wants their vote to count, another one wants to protect their voice. I want them both, and I want them both in the same room. Let me tell you what's on my mind. I have been thinking about the problems in society for a very long time. After having experienced a lot of injustice or things done to you, basically all of us experience the political world and we eventually run into someone who usurps power over us and we lose our voice. That happened to me, you know, a long time ago. I think it happens to everybody. We seem to lose our teeth in the game. We lose our voice. I want to explain what that means. There are basically three values that make up the individual in any society. I want to just talk about two of those values in more depth today. The first one is your voice. Your voice is your idea, your mind, your intelligence, the education you've achieved, everything you've obtained in your life, even your life experiences, all the intuition you have, all the insight, the vision you personally have, and maybe even some passion you have. That's your voice. Your voice is what you have to say. The voice is the unique perspective that you offer in the world. Now, your vote is completely different from that. Your vote is your citizenship signature. It's your, it's your consent. Yeah, I, I think this idea that everybody's proposing is a good idea. So, you know, I'm on board for that. That's great. It is your ability to say yay or nay to something. That's the power of your vote. The problem is, is we don't see how powerful it is to have both of them together and in the same proximity. Let me explain what I mean. Let's say that uh, you have a proposition you want to vote for or a, a candidate you really are behind and somebody else is wanting to make that same, make a, a different kind of you know, choice. You can't challenge them and they can't challenge you. You have no power of voice to influence their vote any more than they have any power to influence your vote. That's what makes a real democracy powerful when we really have voice and vote kept together. So what have we done instead? What have we allowed to happen? Who has the real big megaphone? Who has the real voice with teeth? It's the big media. It's some podcasters. It's, uh, you know, the person with the biggest, you know, deepest pockets to influence certain media outlets. That's where voice has devolved. We've lost more and more um, teeth in the game. And I think that that's super, super destructive. I think that's super destructive. It's destructive because it pulls us apart. It tears us from becoming a whole body, a whole culture, a whole community. The more and more we lose voice in the game then more and more we become disenfranchised. We just don't care to take part. Yeah, we think that having our vote is okay and we're willing to, you know, satisfy ourselves with, 
you know, choosing an election or making a, our vote supposedly count. But that's not enough. If you're like me, and I believe a lot of people are like me, you want to be able to influence people. You want to be able to express what's on your mind. If you have an idea for something, you want to be able to express that idea. I remember when I was working for a nonprofit for several years building affordable housing, and I started to realize that they really don't want good ideas. They don't want innovative ideas. Basically, what they want to do is control what power they have, what position they have, what resources they have for themselves. A lot of organizations are not properly organized. We put way too much power on a CEO. We give way too much authority to an executive, to a vice president, to a provost across the board. We give so much voice and so much power to single people. And these people, believe it or not, and this is probably safe to say, that you could say 50%, I dare to say a lot more, but let's just say 50% of all the leaders that are out there are control freaks. And they will do whatever they can to maintain that position of power, that position of control. They are not really leaders. They're not really incorporating all the voices, all the ideas that you possibly could imagine within an organization. And what happens is, is when you shut down voice, you shut down enthusiasm, you shut down innovation, and you shut down vision. And this is what America, United States, Canada, a lot of these places are struggling for a lack of vision. Recently, we had the United Kingdom break away from the European Union. And that was a great thing. Why? Because it gives the people in the UK more voice. See, there's a, there's a devilish thought process out there that believes that if you centralize power, you're going to, you're going to solve problems. It doesn't happen. Every time you centralize power, you limit and shut down voice. Yeah, we, we can pretend to give everybody a vote and everybody seems to have a vote. But it's, it's the voice that you have and the ability to express that voice to influence vote. That's where the real power is. And we've lost that over time. If you look back in some cultures, look at Scotland, for example. They had their taverns and, and they had their organized bodies where they would, you know, little tribes where they would go and talk and discuss you know, today, we, we, we can barely do that on social media. Today, a gentleman posted something on social media today on my on a Facebook page, and it came up on my news feed. And he posted something that I seriously disagreed with. But I knew that I couldn't say anything. I couldn't post anything of any reply because it would bugger him. He's my neighbor. <laughs> he would get really upset that I would challenge him. We are becoming more and more removed from all real influence of voice. And that's the worst thing you could ever imagine. I believe a renaissance is coming, and the only way that that renaissance is even going to have a shot is if we actually focus on creating more opportunities for actual expression, dialogue, discussion, debate, real face-to-face interaction. Every model, every organizational model you actually can imagine out there is faced with the challenge to create more voice. Think about it. 
when you create more voice, you are actually creating a big tent. You are allowing everybody to come into the tent. Hey, let's talk. Let's get these things on the board. Let's get them all on the table. That's actually a genuine, classical, liberal approach to get every idea you can ever imagine on the table. We've lost that. <laughs> that's, that's gone the way of the dodo. How can we bring it back? How can we even hope to create a better world if we can't even figure out how to create more voice in our organizations? Well, I believe it all has to do with how we organize. I don't believe we need a provost in a university. I don't believe we need a city manager. I don't believe that we need a president of a university. I don't believe that we need presidents at all, for the most part. The only time I think that we need some person to be in kind of the top dog is in an emergency situation, a, a sheriff or an emergency uh, um, a person taking care of an accident and we all just listen to that person and we, we go for it. We all jump in and, and help out. But not, life is not an emergency. Life is not made up of a constant crisis where we have to put one person in charge. Now, don't, don't knock me. I, I, I do want to have the best idea at the top and I want it to float up there. But too often we put people in charge and they don't allow ideas to flow up. They inhibit them. You can apply for just about any job today and most major corporations are going to make you take a personality profile. And what are those personality profiles really designed for? They ask you, are you a self-starter? Can you, can you function on your own? And if you answer all the questions in what you think is the right and most practical way, well, bad leadership behind the scenes is going to use that personality profile to filter out good people. They're just going to hire people that are lackeys. Yes, men, political people who just basically get in line. That's what they're looking for. These personality profiles are not used for the, t for the reasons we think they're used for. And that's because we give too much power to single individuals to run and operate things. I want you to think about all the organizations in your community, all the businesses in your community, especially all the large corporate models, all the big medical industries, all the big government structures you could ever imagine. And you compare those people with single operators and single businesses running their own thing. Those that are, be, that are able to adopt ideas and move and, 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 and uh, act on things, especially new ideas and try new things, they're actually progressing a, a lot better in society than any of these lethargic organizations that basically attract a lot of political people. That's why I wrote Fake Optimists. It's a book that actually gives the profiles for the most destructive people you could ever imagine. And we put these people in power all the time. Why? Because they're safe. Because it's, it's non-threatening. We know they're not going to turn over the apple cart. Well, that's because we, we don't trust people with vision. We don't. We don't trust people with ideas. But you know what you can trust? People. Even if you had the most visionary person with the most impressive way to apply that vision with a proven track record and their ability to make something happen, I still would trust the open forum of dialogue. 
the open debate of discussion over even the best leader in the world. Because more than likely, when an idea has a free opportunity for expression, it's going to be heard. And all you need is just a few people to hear it. Just a few people. That's what's coming. I think humanity is on the cusp of realizing that all of our move for global central control, national central control, where you put so much vertically integrated power at the top and absolutely no voice at the bottom, we are realizing that really sucks and it doesn't work. A renaissance is coming and somebody's got to wake up early. More of us have got to wake up early to the fact that we do not organize correctly. We put way too much top-heavy power on people with no capacity to allow every idea that they could possibly imagine on the table within their local sphere. I could go on about this, and you can tell that I'm a little bit frustrated because I've been a person with ideas in a lot of different areas. And you present these ideas, and you get shut down really, really, really quickly. And that's what discourages cultures. That's what causes good people to leave organizations, is when they know their voice is shut down. It's not heard. Well, if you want to make something great happen in the world, start thinking how powerful voice is and how you can include more voice in people. I'm not talking about a suggestion box that never gets heard or read. I'm actually talking about real teeth. Real incorporation of voice with vote and in the same room. I'm going to talk a lot about this, and I've already mentioned it in a few other podcasts. But what I'm talking about is a complete revolution in how we come together as people. One of my mentors for this is the peacemaker. He's an Indian chief back in around 700 AD who got tired of all of the tribes fighting and bickering. And he decided to bring them all together. All the tribes, the Seneca, the Firekeepers, the Onondaga, several other tribes. And he said, let's draft something. Let's get something that causes us to cooperate. So anytime anything was passed before what was called the nation of all the tribes, it had to be agreed unanimously by all the tribes. So the Seneca would debate about it and they would come to an agreement the firekeepers, they would debate, debate about it and they would come to an agreement, the Onondaga, etc., all the different tribes. And if it made its route through all the different tribes and they all agreed to it and they swore to it, it became part of their constitution. Hence, we had the birth of the Iroquois Five Nation Confederacy, the longest participatory democracy in world history. That kind of stuff can happen again. There's no executive. There's no top-down, vertically integrated power. It's completely decentralized. And the more you can decentralize, the more you're going to create more voice. And it's voice that's going to lift humanity. It's voice that's going to create a new renaissance. It's voice that's going to lift our hearts. And it's going to be a rising tide that lifts all ships. Are you not excited? Hell, I am. That's why I do this podcast. Because I'm tired of the way things are. And let me tell you something else that's on my mind. The liberty movement that keeps wanting to go back to the Constitution and not make things better, they want to live in their isolated bubbles, I have an issue with that. And you leftist nutcases out there that constantly want to push for central control, oh man, you've got another thing coming. 
both of you are kind of nuts. I'm writing a book right now called The High Road, and it's going to expose a lot of that craziness that's out there. And I hope that we can come to a high road and that we can come to a city on a hill and that we can be a rising tide again. As people in local areas, in our communities, in our regions, and in part, our, our nations. But mostly, I'm just focused on my neighbor. If I can get him to listen to me and then I can listen to him, that's a pretty cool thing. It's going to take a while because he's got some some biases inside his head. And maybe if we talk in the backyard a little more and work things out, we'll come to an eye. We'll come to an, uh, a mutual understanding of each other. And maybe we'll edify each other. That's the hope I have. And then it expands from there and goes to who knows. Maybe we can reorganize our local governments and create more voice. City councils with five people on it, surveying 60,000 people. I don't think so. I think that's very ineffective. County commissions with three or four members serving 89 to 90,000 people. I don't think so. School boards with only five people serving seven high schools and thousands and thousands of, of parents. I don't think so. You can imagine how easy it is to intimidate and control these bodies. It's got, it's got to end. And uh, how it's going to end and how we're going to shift and create a whole new um, culture with more voice is going to be a marvelous thing. And maybe it's going to take a crisis to do it. I don't know. But I'm out there talking about it. And I'm not going to let up. This is, again, The Genuine Optimist. Thanks for listening. See you next time. You can find The Genuine Optimist at genuineoptimist.com. Please subscribe and get notified.